So it's about 3.30 in the morning, Monday morning, and um, couldn't really get to sleep. I had plenty on my mind. My sleep's been not, necess not necessarily sporadic, but my schedule's always been slightly off. Um, however, I'm getting some ample sleep. But I had some stuff on my mind. I felt the best way to kind of relax my brain is putting those thoughts out there and uh, doing a little stream of consciousness. Not really sure where this might go because I had some ideas uh, for earlier recordings, but that time kind of came and went. And a lot has happened since I thought about putting out an episode since even the first of the year. Um, originally, I was going to try to limit how often I put out recordings of just myself but uh, and focus on doing more conversation pieces. But uh, it's good when I've got stuff on my mind to kind of clear the air with myself, uh, get those thoughts off my chest, and usually just talking about it uh, really puts my mind at ease, or at least puts it more at ease. Uh, this being a stream of consciousness type of recording, I'm not really sure where it will go. Uh, I do know a couple of topics that I do want to talk about. Um, and I don't know if someone's listening. Great. Uh, if you're listening to this, I, I appreciate it. Um, I will kind of warn you, it could get pretty dark. I'm not sure how dark because again, I don't know how far I'm going to delve into it some of the topic, but, um, you know, see where it goes. Again, this is what I get for recording at 3.30 in the morning, but I, I think this will help me definitely get my mind to get, get some rest and be prepared for Monday morning when my family wakes up. Um, good news, I did uh, complete two sessions of DDPY. Uh, earlier this uh, early morning uh, for me it's still uh, Sunday night but early Monday as well I completed energy 2.0 and red hot core 2.0 and then red hot core 2.0 in almost over two years in September of 2020 I did enjoy the workout but um, there was a time where I just didn't want to do any kind of app workouts and some of the poses uh, like inverted table would give me some issues but I found inverted table actually I was pretty strong with it, even with my uh, left shoulder and arm. Um, still, I feel like recovering from an injury that took place in February of 2020. But uh, even before the injury, I had some issues, and sometimes I get some tightness in my uh, triceps. But I, I felt pretty strong throughout both. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to... The next workout, it's below the belt 2.0, a workout I haven't done in a little while. I'll call them sessions working out or training or what have you just to, you know, not get my brain to fixate on certain things. When it does, it can be uh, problematic, but um, I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far. I've only really missed like a week, but I'm making up those, those sessions. <laughs> now... Here's my, where we might get dark. Um, I have suffered with suicidal thoughts 
And I say suffered or dealt with or dealing with or overcoming or any number of that have probably had them since I served my country. Um, the environment, uh, I don't want to say led to it, but my mind led me there. It, it was probably the first situation where I didn't feel there was an escape, maybe. I totally didn't feel in control. And it led me down a spiral of who would care? I'm, why am I even here? Here being on, on the planet alive. I was aboard an aircraft carrier and there would be times where as we're out to sea, I'm like, no one would ever find me. You know, I'd probably hit the, hit the water. And if I survived it, which would, which would be highly unlikely, uh, you wouldn't find me. And strangely, there was some, something poetic about it. But I also knew that it was, uh, my brain just taking the stress and the despair in my situation and uh, going down a dark path. Not that I didn't want, hadn't had little bouts of depression. And I say little bouts, I mean, they would be ongoing. Um, I was probably always an anxious kid or a kid filled with rage or sadness or melancholy uh, uh, at various times, and various times, I was a good kid. I was a happy kid. I was uh, happy to be alive, wanting to be alive, uh, wanting to make the most of it. But every so often, the depression, anxiety, the cocktail that I had uh, in my brain would overwhelm me. And I would think, well, the only real escape is just not existing. You know, because I didn't really know, well, what, what happens? It's not like, oh, do I go to heaven? Do I go to hell? Do I go anywhere? Do I cease to be once I'm, you know, my soul has left my body? What, do I have a soul? You know, there are all these kind of, um, these questions. And so many questions. And I don't want to say I romanticize the idea of suicide, but I definitely found comfort in the idea that there was such a thing that you could take it upon yourself to end it. But I also always found, I mean, at the times when it was really bad after the service, I would find that, well, I'm living with my folks I don't and my grandmother, and I don't necessarily want them to walk in on me or find me or any of that, you know, I wouldn't want them to, uh, God, what, what would that do to them? And so that would act as a deterrent, you know, much like, well, if I jump off this aircraft carrier, even though, oh, no one would find me, that part of that also my brain would go, well, I, that's not a good thing. You want to be found. You know, you don't want people that love you to worry. Um, and I kind of got some help 
in the service. Um, but once I was done with the service, there was really no place for me. I didn't really know where to go. I, it was a battle that I fought. I didn't, it was a battle that I fought silently. I never spoke to my folks about that. You know, it's my generation. We didn't talk about the stuff um, because the generation before me didn't really talk about the stuff. You'd really only talk about it after the fact, you know, after someone died and you would, you know, or committed suicide, then you'd be like, why, you know, what, what was going on with that person? And I struggled with suicidal thoughts for quite a while after the service. And, you know, I felt lost, couldn't really find my way, you know, didn't matter who I was dating, didn't matter what I was doing. Um, I just needed an escape from some of these heavier feelings and that burden that I was carrying. In large part, I think a large part of that burden was also just not talking about it. That was such a weight for me. When I found wrestling, I found a refuge. And I also found a way of creating a persona, a persona that I probably had utilized um, throughout my life as kind of my confident self, uh, kind of a suit of armor that would protect me from, or protect, you know, the vulnerable part of me from people. And I would have this bravado and um, wrestling seemed to, to work. It was a lifelong, um, I was a fan of it for all my life. Uh, it was something I knew I wanted to do. And, when I got the opportunity, I felt, okay, I found this refuge because if nothing else, I could become that DeMarco side of me and just keep him on. And as long as he was on, uh, those thoughts would dissipate when I wouldn't be him. And if I was on my own or even around those close to me, I always had moments of like checking out, zoning out being in my head and a lot of that was or, or sabotaging whatever it was that I had going on in my life. If a relationship or someone got too close to me and purposely probably sabotage it in some way, shape or form, you know, whether it was just not admitting how I felt or uh, fighting how I felt or just not being very forthcoming with those thoughts because it's not for other people to really deal with it's no one else's burden it's mine that's usually how i'd feel about it so i'd keep it all in and then i would use that as fuel for the demarco side of me that character that i would portray and so a lot of those that energy was dictated in the performance and those performances became me not fighting necessarily my opponent or the politics of the business or the climb or any of it, it was, you know, fighting the demons within. Then, you know, as you get adulation and recognition and acknowledgement and for a while there, it can put a bandaid on some of these thoughts, but they were always there. I can look at certain pictures throughout my time, even on Facebook and go, oh yeah, I know what I was thinking and 
that face doesn't necessarily match what I was feeling on the inside. But I had a great mask because I had this great suit of armor. When certain tragedies struck, I'd lose certain people, whether it be, you know, someone I was close to or a family member. It would shock the reality into me. And even wrestling was no longer a refuge. I can think, you know, 2007 being really near the end of it. Not thinking that I'd recover, giving myself a time limit and saying, okay, in six months, if I can't snap out of it, then I need to, I need to be done with it because it's, if it's going to always be like this, I don't want it to be like this. You know, grief, mourning, the what ifs, um, the questioning of my own choices and uh, the overwhelming thoughts of where I was in life versus where I wanted to be from a professional standpoint or a wrestling career standpoint or um, just kind of knowing that I wasn't truly happy. Nothing seemed to give me great joy after, you know, whether it be the loss of Ashley or uh, the loss of my grandmother. I mean, both, I think, hit me equally hard, and I reacted totally different to both. Um, but still, in that time span, I was reeling, and it didn't seem to matter what I did. Uh, who got close to me or who my friends were, I'd alienate quite a few people. I just wasn't great in many ways. I was doing the best I could, or at least I thought, but I just carried weight more than anything. Around my birthday in 2017, I had hit another low point. I was older, but I was questioning, again, my <laughs> life choices. Wrestling wasn't bringing me the joy. I wasn't in, I didn't have the escape or refuge, really. Um, I didn't feel fulfilled all the time. And I just didn't think anyone cared. I just didn't, I always thought people would be better off without me in the world. Even if I had people telling me that um, I was valuable and I was needed and um, complimenting me on my work or reaching out, I'd find uh, still, it didn't seem like it was enough and I was lucky in some instances because people would come into my life or again my um, I would always try to hey enjoy the moment enjoy the journey I can remember distinctly um, friends of mine holding a roast for me and quite a few people showing up uh, that were instrumental in my career in my life 
and my girlfriend at the time being so happy to be there. And there's pictures out there of me wearing like this really uh, shiny silver suit, grayish silver. And I look really happy and yet I was, I can recall distinctly repeating, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moment. During my rebuttal, I guess it wasn't quite like a zinger, so to speak. It was, you know, more showing my appreciation to those that decided to roast me. And really trying to soak in that moment, but saying to everyone to enjoy it, because I was trying to tell myself, probably screaming myself to enjoy it, because I was at this point um, back then. Like, I just didn't want to be here. And then, so then you fast forward to 2017, same thing. Like, I'd get these moments of, like, you know, where I could escape it or I could come to grips with it or whatever have you. And like so often in 2017, you know, people came into my life and made me want to see things differently and, and not be, see myself as a problem, see myself as more of a solution and coming up with more solutions than problems and changing the way I, I spoke to myself and trying to always look at a positive as opposed to a negative and trying not to overwhelm myself. And it worked for a bit. You know, all 2018 in spats, it worked. There were some moments early on in 2018 and where things changed, life life changed but it also also allowed some of the planets to align in such a way that I was able to make some moves and reconnect with you know reconnect with my wife um, and move be able to move and kind of move some things aside for me and from a wrestling context I was you know 2018 2019 even early 2020, like really at the height of things for me, as far as, you know, seeing that I could still perform, perform at a pretty high level, do some great stuff. My wife was getting to finally get to see me after so many years and getting to see me perform and she was enjoying it. And so it really felt like this culmination of things. I was getting all kinds of recognition and respect and um, feeling it, being in it. But even after a while, towards that, the start of 2020, I started to, the grind and the wear kind of got to me. When my wife told me she was pregnant, um, it changed my outlook. But there would still be moments, you know, from this amazing high, not just the fact that I'm married to this woman and I'm blessed and I'm in marital bliss that I really feel all of that. I feel all this love and from her and support and, you know, support from the industry and whatnot. I also always kind of had in the back of my head, like, do I deserve it? Would it matter if I was gone? Well, still, strangely, but I had put it in my mind, well, I need to be here for Jackson. I need to be here for my wife. Um, I would not want to put them through that. I wouldn't want to put my family through that. And nor would I want to put anyone who supports me through that. Anyone who shows love to me, I wouldn't want to put them through that. 
And I also wouldn't want uh, any of my skeptics or critics to to enjoy the fact that I passed, which is a morbid thought, because you would think it wouldn't matter, right? People would, if you passed, they would look past any differences they might have and actually either either celebrate your life or mourn your death. But I'm, nor is anyone, once they pass, really in control of that. They don't know how people are going to view them, what they're going to say. I'd get thoughts like that. Well, you know what? How would people eulogize me at certain points in my career or at certain points in my life? How would people, what flowers would I get? What would be the comments if I had passed? Because anytime a famous person passes, you see all kinds of, um, all kinds of comments and, and monologues and soliloquies and, you know, comment, written comments, uh, great long posts about you know, how this person was to them. And I would marvel at people's reaction. And then I would also always question certain people that passed by suicide. Not like a, you know, just man. Um, I know I'd always think about what I would do, how I would end it. You know, sometimes it was knives. Sometimes it was the thought of a gun. Sometimes it was the thought of taking pills. Sometimes it was, you know, hanging myself or driving into traffic or walking into traffic or walking off an edge or, you know, uh, when I worked at this law firm, it was a 51, 52 story building walk out to that edge at times, like, hmm, look out that window. But I'd always, oh man, well, what would happen? And sometimes that would be all I would need to curb it. <clears throat> In 2020, you know, with, with the pandemic and then the summer and also the realization that my wife is pregnant and the high, you know, um, the fact that we were in this pregnancy and, you know, my wife having to go through it and I knew I could not leave her side. And then once Jackson was born again, my, my perception of what was important changed. My priorities changed and I could quiet that those suicidal thoughts, I could um, curb them and they wouldn't really enter my mind too much because I'm like, I need to be here. I need to figure out my purpose moving forward, especially wrestling's no longer part of it. And even, you know, I still struggle with my identity post wrestling, but I know my priorities have changed and my identity is really linked to more with my family than what I did or what I've done in a wrestling ring. Even in 2022, when I would visit, my mindset was really different. Um, and I wanted just to see the positives of life and this existence and really believing that I, I'm blessed and believing that... Um, this is where I 
should be and this is where I was destined to be and um, but sometimes the burden's still there there are moments I can have a phenomenal day I can be at the height of my happiness and there can always be some small little something that can derail that. And man, will it derail it. And it won't be for very long, but it derails it just enough to derail it, to make me go from, man, I, you know, I'm so just happy to be here. I, I'm so blessed to be here. And it can go from happiness and seeing the joy of my child or seeing the love in my wife and um, seeing the respect for my stepson or just marveling at where we're at to being like would, would it matter if I was gone it's such a morbid thought like I can read you know I remember sharing something on Facebook recently because when I was going through these little dark moments and trying really not to travel down that path um, people having this outpouring because obviously you know if you post something and it's like dark stuff people tend to notice and so people will reach out which I appreciate greatly but I would find myself the days that would follow that, that if I looked at those same comments, my perception of it would change. And even as I could talk to other people and tell them like, don't let your worst moment be your last moment. You know, we, we all kind of know how this ends. You know, it's the, it's, <laughs> it's with the credits rolling and you don't get to see the credits and maybe there's a post credit scene but more than likely there isn't in this movie of life. Who knows, right? I don't know what to subscribe to. I'm spiritual. I was raised somewhat religious, but uh, I don't know what the afterlife is if and if there is such a thing. So there's no certainty in it. I've gotten better about seeking, seeing these little so you know a little in the sense of like i don't want to underscore it because the truth or underplay it because the truth is that they get they can be pretty deep in despair and it can come at just an instant it isn't anything anyone does it isn't anything anyone says it's all internal for me it is an internal conversation that is ongoing and times that that voice of just end it Take control of it. Don't let, you know, uh, don't let death win, even though you're letting death win if you do that, right? Or it's not a competition. Like, I just, I don't want to feel like, why do I feel these moments of despair when I have so much to be happy for? Why do I let it overwhelm me when I shouldn't let it overwhelm me? And yet it overwhelms me. When I spoke to my wife about putting this out, I didn't really know how to tackle the subject. I didn't know really how to approach it. Like, do I say, hey guys, you know, it's not even that kind of conversation. This is, you know, my in, inner monologue, so to speak, coming out, trying to 
trying to purge myself of any weight because I have discovered that over time, if you're silent about it, those dark feelings, those feelings of being a burden, if you carry that burden and then don't speak about it to whoever, even if it's just to speak about it, I have found speaking about it has done me wonders, whether it's in video form, audio form, sometimes a written word, but as time has progressed, it's easier for me to just hit record and, and talk. Uh, you know, my wife's like, well, talk, you know, talk to Jackson, nothing else. If you can't find, find the way of approaching it. Talk to Jackson Miles. Let him know why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And that's tough. Because I, a big part of it is I don't know why I feel the way I do at times. I don't know why I get in despair. I don't know why I struggle with it still. I don't know why I um, can get in such a mode and not be able to shake it and get overwhelmed because I get frustrated with myself for feeling like that because I feel it's such a, I hate to say selfish, but it's so self-centered in the sense of no matter the positives. That's the tough part. Is that even if I have all this love around me and people showering me with it, it's hard to see it when you don't feel you're worth it. And there are times where I don't feel I'm worth it. I don't know if that has something to do with my childhood. I don't know if that is just some underlying thing that I'll always deal with because I seem to have been dealing with it for so long. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome. I don't know if it's not feeling like I'm valued. I don't, I just know that it's this deep despair that I can't escape. And I think the only escape is just to end it. But I also find that I want to be here. I want to be alive. I found in, in, in years, the more, more recent years that, um, Part of it also comes from, for me at least, it comes from the dread of mortality. The fact that I do know it's not going to be forever. That one moment I will not be here. This could very well be the last time I put anything out. Or, you know, hopefully it makes it out, right? You know, hopefully I don't die in my sleep or something like that, you know. But I have these morbid thoughts and, you know, whether it's going to impact my family in the sense of I have these morbid thoughts of them no longer being with me. Or myself, you know, being anything could happen every day, any day. And to see, you know, people you think have it all and they're gone one moment they're here, you know, they're, they're posting stuff and they seem so happy and the next they're gone. And even if they leave a note, you're still questioning, like, why? Why would you want to leave? What you, you have, like, so even if you have it all, you still have to. You still potentially still have these thoughts. Like I know if I really look back, you know, look at myself, I am blessed. I do know that. And I'm 
in love with my wife. I'm happily married. I love being a dad. Um, I love where I currently am. I love being here, present in the moment. And it pains me at times, usually all the time when those dark thoughts come because they try to sour what I'm feeling. They take away my attention from enjoying the moment and make me be in a moment that I don't want to be in. And no matter how much I try to fight it, it's there. I'm hoping with talking about it, and if I've got to go find someone to talk to or do more of these, then that's probably what I'll need to do, at least to lighten that burden. Because again, I think that burden can be such a weight that it almost seems too much to overcome. But I do know I want to be here. I do know the fear of death is also a contributing factor. Like, I fear it. I know it's coming. I don't know when. And uh, that the overwhelming dread of mortality, you know, the fact that I won't be here for the people that I love and the people that love me someday is gut-wrenching and oof, put such a such a thing. So in the midst of all this and as I'm posting stuff and going about my business, um, on the 5th, well, the 4th, let's back up. Um, I eat spicy food a lot. I uh, you know, drink sugary drinks. I eat breaded stuff, even if I know it doesn't make me feel quite right at times. You know, whether it's like too much bread will make me feel a certain way. I can get bloated, you know, all that. Too much sugar, I can get like acid reflux, heartburn. Too much spicy food, I get indigestion. And yet... I like the foods that I eat, and uh, for the moment, they're they're great. Um, but I know my diet's not the greatest, and I know uh, I haven't been the most active, even though the last six weeks I have. And um, on the fourth, you know, I ate, didn't think much of it, um, was up pretty late, <clears throat> and. Um, had woken up at a decent hour, I guess, for me, but still pretty late of a night. And I noticed, you know, probably around 10 p.m., 11 p.m. on the 4th, that uh, I started to have these pains in my chest and around my sternum. And I thought, oh, it's, it's indigestion or it's like maybe something's a little backed up. But, you know, I need to, you know, try to figure something out and took took certain medication to try to see I'd stopped taking medication for like high blood pressure and cholesterol. I have those high levels. I also have what was diagnosed with asthma. I stopped doing my inhaler like months ago. Uh, Cause it, I didn't feel like it was, you know, this is my head. Like I, I didn't know if it was doing me any good and I felt like I needed to be retested. I had had a bit of a scare in April, but my new doctor seemed to kind of dismiss it and said, Oh, you're, really healthy, just, you know, change your diet, get more exercise, watch your anxiety levels, all that. So you fast forward to the fourth and now the fifth and that feeling is there as far as, you know, uh, feels like indigestion. Couldn't really quite shake it. Around 1 a.m., my back, mind you, I've been wrestling for a long time, so certain back stuff 
you know, certain back pains part of the equation, even though I do yoga and I can feel pretty good, it still comes and goes. But I felt the pain intensifying in my sternum and then I felt it intensify my back or kind of parallel um, to my sternum. And that feeling wouldn't go away. And like from 1 a.m. to about 4, 4.30 in the morning, I struggled with it. Couldn't get comfortable. Nothing seemed to work. Nothing I took seemed to work. I just started to become more and more of a mess. Around 4.30, I was on the floor trying to stretch, trying to figure something out, but I was moaning in pain. Um, and um, my wife saw me, woke up. She kind of, once she got her bearings, she was like, how are you doing? And I, you know, it's like, I, I'm in pain. I don't know what's going on. Again, I had this health scare in April, but at that time it was not just my chest. It was like I had sharp pains in my jaw and, uh, you know, some some tingling feeling in my left extremity. And, uh, you know, I went to the emergency room again, they ran a battery of tests then and couldn't find anything. And yeah, my primary doctor kind of dismissed it. It felt like, so I, uh, I dismissed it. And you fast forward to the fifth, the morning of the fifth, and I'm, uh, in immense pain, but I don't want to go back to the emergency room for, for all intents and purposes, a false alarm. Uh, my wife was not hearing that and said, well, let's take you and get you checked out. Let's take you to an emergency room. It's better safe than sorry if something does happen, God forbid. So, you know, I mean, my wife went into the emergency or went to an emergency room pretty close by, close to the house, um, like an emergent care 24-7 type of place. Um, I forgot that I had gone to that same place in April and was reminded as we progressed. But came in, same thing. I mean, I was kind of doubled over at this point walking in. I was in a lot of discomfort and uh, trying not to panic. I knew my blood pressure was pretty high and I knew I was anxious, but I was trying my best to keep myself calm. So I thought, well, if I keep myself calm, then I won't um, make it worse. Get into the emergency room. They run an EKG. It's clean. So I'm not going to have like open heart surgery right then and there, which I was like, great. There was no like, we're going to have to rush you. Took some blood and ran a few other tests. But because I had been there in April, for, for the same reason, they thought it'd be best for me to go to uh, a heart specialist. And there's, there's a heart of Austin um, in North Austin. Um, and they thought, well, that would probably be the best course of action. In the, in the midst of trying to, trying to alleviate the pain, they gave me nitroglycerin pills, gave me a couple of those. Didn't have any positive effect of the pain at all. You know, it was just like, didn't even feel it. Gave me aspirin, didn't even feel it. I was still in quite a bit of pain. Like on the scale one to 10, they would ask, I'd be like, oh, I'm about a seven or eight. And I was pretty consistent. Wouldn't drop below a five, I think. So I was in a lot of discomfort and quite a bit of pain. They gave me morphine, which was the first time I took morphine ever. And 
I will say that uh, within 30 minutes to an hour did the trick. I was still in this emergency room, hadn't slept, was getting, you know, about 20 hours until no sleep. But again, they suggested I go to a heart specialist. At that point, before that, once my wife knew I was stable, she went, she went home because she had to take care of our son. And, um, you know, I just told her, well, I'll keep you, keep you updated. And realistically, it's a waiting game until they can, they can get to the bottom of it. I knew that when I got to the heart of Austin, I would probably be running additional tests. And more blood would be taken. They would run a battery of stuff. And it'd be a minute to get some results. I would do a stress test. And so they said, well, we'll put you in an ambulance, take you. First time in, in an ambulance was, which was, uh, you know, one of those stretchers. And uh, I was trying to make light of it as far as like, wow, I can't believe first time I got morphine, first time I get an ambulance. Um, they ran a battery test on me. The morphine helped. Then they gave me, I think, Maalox, I want to say, for... A severe indigestion and acid reflux gave me something for that. And that completely took it. You know, morphine more or less brought it from a from an eight to a two, but it was still there. And then the Malox kind of took it, took the edge off. Um you know, they didn't find any clots, which was good. Um and they kept reassuring me, even though in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, another false alarm. Like, why well, I'm at a hospital. Oh, my God. You know, for what am I in my head about this? What, you know, am I wanting something bad to happen? You get in those thoughts. And then it was, you know, kept reassuring me that um, it was for the best that I was there. And I was in the best you know, place possible. If something went down, it's better to know than to not know. And. Um, you know, stress tests, everything kind of, you know, everything came back negative. They suggested I go see a cardiologist, which I plan to, although I haven't scheduled anything yet. Um, I'll probably, if I get another primary doctor, it'll be a different one. I'll probably start with a new one and go through a battery test and see, you know, they're like, well, you probably need something for to re start taking your stuff for high blood pressure and I'm stubborn and haven't started because I started to feel better. And again, it felt more or less like, you know, while go see people, it still feels like a false alarm. Sadly, that's how I feel it. I'm glad I went, you know, I'm glad my wife talked me into it just for peace of mind, but it's real hard to want to implement those kind of changes uh, without seeing someone, and then again, trying to find the appropriate time to do that. Um, I was up over 24 hours, and uh, but by the afternoon of the 5th, I was able to go home. I didn't have to be admitted. The stress test came back pretty clean. You know, they, they told me I'm at a 24. The way they, they explained it to me is that when you get to 100, as far as blockage goes, then their uh, concern, you know, there's possibility of some some type of procedure. If it gets up to 400, then it's a you know severe blockage, and we're talking you know 
no coming back. You're going into surgery. Uh, at the first ER, the doctor did tell me, well, it might be, you might be going, uh, they might put a stent if there is, you know, added blockage, but, you know, CAT scans and all that didn't show anything. So, um, trying to be more mindful of the things that do impact me negatively as far as foods, like <clears throat> cutting down on breads, um, cutting down on, all, you know, spicy food as far as like back to back, knowing that that stuff can kind of impact my my gastrointestinal system so I want to try to uh, eliminate that and certain drinks like certain super sugary drinks trying to limit um, and and take those in moderation and then also be more active exercise wise and uh, trying to cure the anxiety and not let dark thoughts uh, overwhelm me and you know DDPY is a good source of meditation for me. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, I feel pretty good over the last few days. You know, I came home, I slept uh, on the 5th, and then uh, when I woke up, I ended up, you know, finishing off God of War Ragnarok, or at least finishing the main story. I'm going back to kind of finish some of the side missions. I had already finished Gotham Knights, and probably will start that again. Um, and I'm appreciative of those that, that sent out their support and showed their love and uh, reached out because it, it means a lot to me and it does lift my spirits. I need to really focus on those that are positive and supportive and show love as opposed to those that are, may have negative, you know, feelings or opinions of me or, um, just aren't around you know, focus on those that are. So, um, yeah, I think I'm not sure when I'll be putting out another one. Um, maybe in the near future. You know, maybe it tackles some of this. Maybe it'll be more recordings to Jackson. Um, I'm not sure where this is going, but it will probably go somewhere because I don't mind talking. I don't mind sharing my feelings and thoughts and being open about this stuff because I know that it's better than the alternative. So I appreciate all of you that, that are listening to this or taking your time or that have reached out. And, um, you yeah, know, until the next time, I hope to see you all down the road.